Hello, this is Josh, and you're listening to The Invitation. I know I promised that the next episode would be the public conversation with Chuck DeGroote and Sister Diane Zerfus on the role of contemplative spirituality and spiritual direction in the context of the local church. That was the public conversation that I recently had at the Dominican Center. I know I promised that as the next episode, but my pastor's sermon this past Sunday was so effective in grabbing my attention during the season of Advent that I wanted to get some time to talk with her further about Advent. So I'm here sneaking in this short conversation for you quickly today because we have just begun Advent and this is just too good and timely not to share with you. In fact, one of the questions from my talk with Chuck and Sister Diane was how do we bring the contemplative practices into the local context, into the local church? One of the benefits of leading our congregations through the church calendar is this opportunity to introduce new worship songs, new hymns, prayers, and new spiritual disciplines, especially as ways to rediscover the meaning of these higher holy days, these holidays of Christmas and Easter, So Advent is a season of waiting and yearning for the Advent, for the occasion of God's arrival on the earth in the form of Jesus as a child, an especially appropriate time to try some new things with contemplative practices. Specifically in this conversation with Pastor Denise, the question is a spiritual discipline of vulnerability that gets us out of our comfort zone to become one with the poor. On Sunday, Denise did a fantastic job of rehearsing the irony of God becoming a human being. The Reverend Dr. Denise Kingdom Greer is pastor of Maple Avenue Ministries here in Holland, Michigan. And Denise also works with Bethany Christian Services and the orphan crisis in South Africa. Let's listen to some of her sermon from this past first Sunday of Advent. Do we understand that God could have come any way God chose to come? God could have easily come as an old wise man like Samuel the prophet could have come with a long white beard which which would have already demanded him a certain amount of respect because of his age and because of his his, his experience in the world. He could have come easily in that way and people may have flocked to him. He could have come in glorious triumph like like, like, like King Saul after defeating King Agag and his his entire community and, 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 and struts in town on his horse with the head of the king on a stick so that all might know that he is the conqueror. He could have come in all this pomp and circumstance and glory and people would have said, what a great man, what a valiant man, what a triumphant leader he is. He could have come like Father Divine. 
So God coming to the earth could have meant that he came as Father Divine in pomp and glory, but God instead came vulnerable in the form of a child. Most of us in the church have rehearsed this truth year after year. And good preaching, like Pastor Denise's, can help us remember, can help us rehearse this crazy, bizarre, mind-bending and heart-exploding truth that God took on the body of a human being and walked amongst us. We know this in our minds as Christians. The question in the church calendar and rehearsing this every year is whether this truth of Emmanuel can trickle down into our hearts. And so the challenge of Advent is to enter more deeply into this reality of God with us. Again, we might have good preaching. We might even have effective worship arts offerings that help us enter in. But Pastor Denise pushed us further this past Sunday into living in the reality of God among us by pointing us to the example of Mother Teresa. The wisdom here is that if we want to enter more deeply into Advent, then we not only need good preaching and good worship services, we need to become actively involved with the poor. We need to recognize our own poverty and to become one with the poor. There is a quote from Athanasius that often offends our modern readings of the scripture. Athanasius says, For the Son of Man 
became God so we might become God. If that's troubling, consider that Athanasius was one of the main teachers in the fourth century who defended the doctrine of incarnation as we know it today. If we have trouble conceiving this truth, that God became human so that we can become God, then consider what it means to become God. This is not an invitation to greatness, to worldly power and authority. As Pastor Denise is helping us consider, to become God is to become one who becomes poor. During this Advent, we can say, God became vulnerable so that I can learn to be vulnerable. God became poor so that I can be poor. I sat down with Pastor Denise this morning to talk further about becoming poor and about our appropriate posture to being poor and vulnerable with the poor. This, this whole idea of the vulnerability of Christ mm -hmm. as a baby mm -hmm. is something most of us have grown up in the church, have rehearsed, but you flipped it there at the end when you started talking about Mother Teresa, this vulnerability really is a two-way thing that God practices this vulnerability so that we practice that vulnerability as well. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I, I think one of the things that I, I'm really um, coming to honor and appreciate more and more about this thing we call the incarnation, right, um, is the way in which the, the varying functions of God operate in this way. Mm -hmm. um, to demonstrate for us um, what it means to live in this world. Mm -hmm. So part of what I was trying to get at on Sunday is I was trying to do some focusing really on the first person of the Godhead, if you will, mm -hmm. and how this great, powerful, incredible, mm -hmm. you know, indescribable God mm -hmm. um, would be make oneself vulnerable mm -hmm. enough mm -hmm. to take on residence mm -hmm. in a womb and to become a baby of all things. Mm -hmm. um, is there any such thing I, th I think I asked? Is anything more vulnerable than this? Mm -hmm. um, so really more trying to focus on that aspect, but then that that's just not like an isolated event. Like God doesn't make God self vulnerable and put on flesh and come to earth just so we can have a Christmas party, <laughs> right? But it is so that we might recognize mm -hmm. that this is too how we must live, mm -hmm. you know, which I believe will will also um, will segue well, hopefully, to our sermon this Sunday where we focus on the Christological portion of that, okay. right? So we talk about, you know, how Christ is, is vulnerable yeah. um, in the world and as, and as such is an example to us, mm -hmm. um, dialing into that, the Isaiah text talking about being despised and rejected. And, yeah. and so part of the things that keep us from being vulnerable is what? We're afraid that people might despise us. Mm -hmm. But God already placed all that on Christ. Mm -hmm. We're afraid that people might reject mm -hmm. us. 
But God already placed all of the that on Christ. Mm. Right? So all of that is already on him. Yeah. And so now we can show up as ourselves. Mm. And when we show up as ourselves, we recognize our own vulnerability. And then we don't look upon the vulnerability of others who are vulnerable, not because they choose to be in yeah. the way that God did or in the way that we're necessarily called to be, but those who have been made vulnerable, yeah. who have been exposed by circumstances, uh, sometimes beyond themselves, sometimes based on their own decisions, but nevertheless, they become vulnerable. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that vulnerability sometimes makes us uncomfortable, and that's why it's hard for us to engage. So yeah. I made this comment about um, Mother Teresa, right? Yeah. And this great quote about, you know, if you really wanna be with the poor, and the, the with is important, right? Because Emmanuel shall be God with us. So we really yeah. want to be with yeah. um, in the way we're called. Then we we must become poor. Yeah. So if we really want to be with vulnerable people, yeah. then we have to become comfortable mm -hmm. and committed to our own vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what grabbed me because this is, this is cutting to the bone of one of the difficulties I have in the prison. So uh, the guys are always asking me why I keep coming back. <clears throat> One in particular is uh, a gentleman I'm quite fond of. As a matter of fact, uh, I embarrassed him at some point this summer. Uh, I just leaned over to him, put my arm around him, and I said, you know, Tone, I'm not supposed to have favorites. Um, and the whole room kind of started grumbling and laughing. And I said, but... I really like you. <laughs> and then <clears throat> this other guy, Bruce, said, tell us something we don't know. Like, there was something so obvious why I love this man. And he's the one who keeps asking, why do you keep coming back? He's asked probably four times. Mm. And what I keep hearing is, because I'm you, that's why I keep coming back. And at the same time, when I say that, or you would say that we have to become the poor, is there also not a danger of us over especially me as a white man of privilege coming into a prison and saying, of course, you know, of course you're not a prisoner, but, mm -hmm. but I am. So how would you speak to that? How do you become the poor in the right posture? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, it has to do with um, the matter of vulnerability again. Okay. Like what is it, what is the cost for you? Because uh, vulnerability is costly. Okay. You know, I've been thinking, of course, about vulnerability for some time and, you know, listening to Brene and yeah. reading her stuff and, and other people's stuff about it. And vulnerability is about, um, it's about having the courage to be seen as you are. Yeah. Right? So, in, it's, it's, so to, to, to become poor, and Mother Teresa says the poor. I like to say poor people because I like to put peoplehood or people yeah. who happen to be poor. But to become that is to recognize and to be vulnerable, be able to let be known the degree to which I am poor. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm not poor financially, but where am I yeah. impoverished? Yeah. Um, not to you know necessarily wear it as a T-shirt, yeah. <laughs> but to be dialed into it enough so that <clears throat> we don't have to cover it up yeah. before the world. Yeah. Um, if we have to be polished and we have to have it always together and we always, you know, it has to be perfectly yeah. packaged and bold and, yeah. you know, shiny and all of that, then yeah. where's the poverty in that? Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that you, we don't want to exploit people, yeah. right? Yeah. We don't go into prison and say, I'm a prisoner just like you, except I'm going home at the end of the day. <laughs> right. That's not helpful at all. Right. But it is to say, 
to myself yeah. and in the presence of God, show me the places where I'm imprisoned. Yeah. Yeah. And let me live with that authentically in the world. Yeah. Confessionally, yeah. you know, not not arrogantly, not not <clears throat> anything to be proud of necessarily, but how do I live with that authentically in the world yeah. so that it helps me to be able to be with? Mm -hmm. I mean, because let's face it, like God is not us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let's be one to say clear. Jesus is fully human, fully divine. God is not us. But in order for God to become with us. Yeah. God, Jesus had to account equality with God, something to throw away. And to take on a different form, had to had to um, live into and experience the fullness of something that would help us understand how we should walk it out. Yeah. So I think that's what it's about. It's yeah. about where is that in me um, that will um, that will be authentic and true. Yeah, I think this is one of the core reasons why I'm thankful to be at Maple and to have you as a pastor. Um, there's there is that tendency uh, towards triumphalism within Christianity. And uh, the, the spectacular amongst Americans to um, say, I'm going to prison and there's fireworks going off, you know. And it, and it ends up being about me as I walk out. And I remember you, you pointed me as one Martin Luther King day a couple years ago. <clears throat> you said, you might be the one to help <clears throat> these guys in the prison understand what contemplative prayer is. But then you looked at me and you said, but don't take any credit for it. Don't be like those other dudes that just so easily want to claim that for their ego. Mm. And so just being underneath kind of the prophetic <clears throat> space that you're in continues to nourish and to inform and direct and guide how I think about what I do in the prison, even though we don't get to talk like this often. So, <clears throat> so what you're saying then is, um, on one hand, in God, it's completely appropriate to say I'm a prisoner when I'm talking to God, when I'm praying, when I'm before God, but when I'm coming out, and that's the, the danger of doing this podcast, of trying to talk about this, how do I wear this then publicly so that I invite other people to that God space to recognize their poverty that they're prisoners without also then pumping up the podcast, pumping up Josh Banner and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so. Well, I think that part of it is to let other people tell their story yeah. and to find yourself in their story yeah. as opposed to you telling the story yeah. about who or what yeah. it means to be a prisoner. Yeah. And then they, they can kind of identify with that, if you will. So I say, yeah. well, I'm a prisoner too. Uh, to the mall, yeah. right? And yeah. I like to go shopping and I this yeah. and not, and it costs me this and it costs me that. And, you know, it's just such a stronghold on my life. And is, is, isn't that kind of like what it is to be able to, to right? equate that, right. to, to read it over to their experience. Right, yeah. right. But to yeah. resonate, yeah. you know, with, with that experience. I mean, because I think that at the beginning, I mean, I've developed this model called embracing um, that kind of outdoes this thing we call outreaching. But the first part is embracing model, which is rooted mostly in John 4 is the reason that Jesus goes where Jesus goes. Yeah. 
So the reason that Josh goes where he goes, right? Yeah. It's because Jesus only does what he's seen the Father do. Yeah. It's because he knows that the Father is always working. Yes. And that when he shows up in the prison, or in Samaria, if you will, he shows up there knowing God is already at work there. Yeah. You know, God is already at work in you as you come. But God has already gone before you and is already at work in the right. folks that you're going to engage right while you're there, Amen. exposing all of us mm-hmm. to our imprisonment. Yeah. Yeah. How you say? Yeah, right. But also inviting us to a certain kind of freedom. Yeah. You know, and that's God's work that we get to participate in. Yeah. Um, as well, they get to participate in for the benefit of their own liberation and for the benefit of your liberation, right? right, right. And so to come in with that kind of expectation yeah. and humility yeah. is really what it is to be able to admit that I'm a prisoner. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the lines that I've been working with is that I don't go there to take Jesus to the prison. I go there to discover Jesus who's already there amongst them. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's flipping the gospel upside down for me. And I hear this in your preaching and in your spirituality <clears throat> that, that we can think of Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, that, that whole, I've heard it described as Jesus' mission statement. Mm. So if God is going to show up anywhere on this earth, he's going to make a beeline to those who are actively in their brokenness. So the gift of being with these prisoners is not (coughs) to try to oversimplify my suffering versus their suffering, but yet to see a God who works in both of our suffering but to go into the prison to share—it's that—it's the uh, Paul in, in, in Ephesians, the fellowship of sufferings, mm-hmm. and I can't see that in 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 ways. Um, I can't see that outside of the prison in the ways that I do in the prison. Right. Well, again, it's Mother Teresa, right? Okay. I mean, she's saying you can't be you can't be with the poor unless you become. And when you're holding yeah. a person who is you know dying of AIDS yeah. while they're taking their last breath. You are in a sense becoming one with them, yeah. right? If you yeah. kiss in the hands of a leper, yeah. you are really you're you're coming you're becoming one with them. You're not just standing back looking at them, observing, or um, you're taking a risk. You're um, opening yourself up, um, going beyond oneself, beyond what is necessary, beyond even what is expected yeah. Yeah. for the sake of love of neighbor, yeah. love of brother, love of sister. Yeah. And that's that's what it is, yeah. you know, to become <clears throat> one with um, is to take the risk. Okay. What is what is the risk involved? Okay. Advent is a season for longing and for waiting, and it's an invitation to risk with God. In episode 16, Conversation 6, I talked with Christopher Hall about the spiritual discipline of placing our bodies in learning spaces where the Holy Spirit can more effectively get at us in transformative ways. I hear Denise's challenge here to risk as this same path of transformation. And of course, this is what Spirit has been revealing to me through the prison prayer practices. To place my body in the prison 
is a path to poverty. This is not an activist posture of do-goodism. It's not a posture of power where I condescend to feel good about myself doing these good, benevolent things. We are invited to be with the poor, to learn a new conscious understanding that I am, in the language of Psalm 40, poor and needy. The end of Psalm 40 reads, As for me, I am poor and needy, for the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. This is a prayer of Advent, and in Advent we cannot appreciate the coming of the Messiah. We cannot properly worship a God who is our deliverer until we accept and embrace our own poverty. So the question for you is, how can you become substantially engaged with the poor? How can you become one with the poor so that you embrace your poverty and then more gracefully and freely become alive to God? Last December, I was in Oklahoma City visiting with friends there about what I am learning in the prison. And I've since learned that one woman who met with me has begun visiting in a women's prison somewhere there in Oklahoma. Now that's incredible. But of course, you may not have the occasion to go to a prison. Instead, I invite you to look around where you are. Notice what places what people, what is already happening near you that is a place of poverty, weakness, and vulnerability. The brokenhearted are all around us. What we're advocating for here is an alternative consciousness. This is a countercultural posture. Advent is at odds with the power structures of this world. Pastor Denise turns to the author Brene Brown to help us understand the vulnerable posture of the poor. She says, she says vulnerability is the birthplace of love of belonging, of courage, of empathy, and of creativity. That vulnerability is, is a maternity ward for love. But the life of Christ that lives in us calls us to something that might be described as needy or dependent or fragile, but it's really something that makes, that gives life, that gives birth to real authentic love, belonging, courage, empathy, creativity. And so God put on flesh 
took up residence in the womb of a woman. Let me offer you this quote one more time. Brene Brown, in her book, Daring Greatly, How the Courage to Be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. She writes, Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. So again, I leave you with this question for your prayer. How will you embrace vulnerability during this Advent? Amen. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to sharing more prayer resources and spiritual conversations with you soon. Bye-bye.